Good morning. I do hope that all of you are enjoying this incredible weather that God is giving us uh, as we um, prepare for the season of the giving of His Son, Jesus Christ. And, you know, my prayer for all of us, and I realize that uh, not everybody has the same level of whatever, but the one thing we can all have that can be the same is the heart for God during the season and the heart of gratitude of knowing that he did this for us. That's how much he loved us was he, he did this for us. I want to thank all of you, those who've been responding to the poinsettias and uh, purchasing those. We're so grateful for that. And the Christmas village, I mentioned that last week. I want to mention it again. We've continued to receive donations and continue to be able to help families, which has been really, again, just a grace of God to be able to do that and how privileged we are that he lets us I'll be a part of the process. And so as we're continuing now this journey of truth and the truth about the Holy Spirit, I want us to take something today and if, if we possibly can, my prayer is that we will be able to, that we get it down to such a level that everybody in here will know there is a part for them to play because we're all part of the body of Christ. And sometimes I think we may forget that, or we just don't consciously, intentionally be reminded, I guess, of how this really is to be the body of Christ and how the Holy Spirit is the one that empowers all the work that gets done in this process. We're going to look at several scriptures, and the first one is John 7, 37 through 38. I want you to just take a minute. On the last day, the greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Now, anybody here, whoever you are, at that point in time in your life when you have said, yes, I know that I need Jesus Christ in my life, that is the acknowledgement of thirst. And he goes on to say, though, in the same Scripture in the next verse. If you love me, oops. Let me get my own up here. Having a little technical difficulty. Verse 38 of John 7 says this. Whoever believes in me. As the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow within them. Some translations say flow from them. And what it's saying that Jesus is talking about here is he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Remember we've been on this, the Holy Spirit. And those who believe in him, he says, will later receive. Because up till now, the Holy Spirit hasn't been given. So here's Jesus in his earthly ministry proclaiming the good news that God, his kingdom is here. And then how all that is practically be, being able to work out is the Holy Spirit accomplishing in everyone's life all that needs to be done. Now I want you to, I want you to hold on to the thought. I'm going to give you, we're going to go through several scriptures. I'm going to give you a thought. I want you to hold on to in each one. He says, when the Holy Spirit has come, we know the Holy Spirit's come because of the day of Pentecost 
has already happened. That from those of us who have received now the Spirit of God, remember talking about the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, how he lives in us, the Holy Spirit does. And he says, and he will be rivers of living water gushing forth from our lives. So I want you to just hold on to that thought and ask yourself, what is the point of that? Why is it that Jesus Christ is saying that when those of us like today who live today, who have the Holy Spirit living in us, when that happens, there will be something from within us going out. He says, as a rushing, mighty, gushing forth river. In other words, it is a revelation of the very presence of God in my life and yours. And so my question is this, where does it go? What is the point of it? And where does it go? Well, the point of it is, none of us were ever, ever enabled by God except through the Holy Spirit to live the Christian life. That is a fact of the scripture. And secondly, the gushing forth means that it ain't all about me. It's not all about you. It is about God working in us, expressing himself through us in the Holy Spirit so that when That work of the Spirit, whether it's through fruit or gifting or whatever it is, the very presence of God is revealed that it touches lives around me. Please bear with me on this. But more and more, I'm seeing more and more of self-centeredness and selfishness in our world. Now, don't misunderstand me. There are pockets of incredible selflessness and Christ-likeness. But our world in general has really gone toward it's all about me and i would encourage all of you to take some time to think through your own life process where do you spend your money where do you spend your time where do you exhort your energy that tells you who's the most important in your life And Jesus Christ, living in us in the person of the Holy Spirit, is always about loving God and loving others as we love ourselves. See, he's not saying don't love yourself. He's saying, but have it on an equal footing so that we understand how this is. So where are we? Okay. So then he goes to John 14. We've already been over some of the scripture, but I want to go back and look at it again. We have the Holy Spirit, he says in John 7, him living in us, gushing rivers, mighty rivers of water flowing out. And then he says, I'm going to ask the Father. Remember, he's with his disciples last night. I'm going to ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, another helper to help you, and he will be with you forever. Let me move forward. I'm going to come back. The spirit of truth. Now, the world can't accept him. Do you guys know that? We are so critical, sadly, sometimes as Christians, about how the world doesn't do what we think they ought to do. There's a 
a passage in, I think it's in Psalms 148, 149. And it says, of the nation of Israel, they knew of God the things that other nations didn't know. And every time I read that or hear that quote from Psalms, I think, but we as Christians know of God things that others don't know. And the only way they're ever going to know that is if we share that reality with them. But we also have to learn to express that in how we live. And if we're always about me, then they're never going to see our Christ. Because that's not who our Christ is. So they're, they're not going to see him. But you know him. And I know him. And he lives with you. And he is in you. Again, these are refresher, I know, but I'm, I'm taking it somewhere today that I think would really be, I know it can be amazing for our church family. Now we're going to 2 Corinthians. So we've gone from Jesus preaching to Jesus teaching to now Paul writing a letter to one of the churches that he has been a part of founding. And this is the second letter. And in the second letter, beginning in the first chapter, he says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Now, remember back where we were in John 14, where it says, I'm going to give you another advocate. It also says in different translations, another helper, another comforter. Now, you're going to see how important that is in just a moment. But go forward with me in these verses who comforts us in all of our troubles. If you know Jesus Christ, no matter what your troubles are, now don't misunderstand me, sometimes we self-inflict some troubles that cause us a great amount of pain. We don't have to do that. We shouldn't do that, but sometimes we do. But it says that he comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with comfort we ourselves receive from God. Now, I hope you're getting the message. Here's this flow that Jesus talks about coming from the Holy Spirit and that flow, the Holy Spirit working in us, rivers of living water going forth and touching people around us. And now we're going to zero in or bring it into a narrow vein of the fact that as we are comforted, we then, empowered by the Holy Spirit, are able to comfort other people. Now that's important. For just as we share abundantly in the suffering of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. This, again, is the work of the Holy Spirit being accomplished in the life of every child of God. This is not for somebody who says, oh, I've been called to ministry. That would be me. I've been called to ministry. I praise God for that. But this truth, this application is for every person who absolutely knows Jesus Christ and who absolutely understands what it means to have the Holy Spirit live within us. If we are distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. Now think about that. Would God in his economy allow his kids to go through some difficulty, trial, and affliction so that then he, the Holy Spirit, working in us and through us, could help others as they go through those difficulties. Let me answer that question for you. It's not rhetorical. The answer is yes. Now, just let it sink in. 
rivers of living water flowing forth, Holy Spirit in me, Holy Spirit in you. The one who's coming is the helper, the comforter. And now he says all this is being played out in a local church family. It is for your comfort, which produces in you patient enduring of the same suffering we suffer. Now, again, if you go to Peter, Peter says, if you suffer because you have done right, praise be to God. If you, this is Steve's translation. If you suffer because you have done wrong, tough cookies. In other words, God allows us, think about this, how much he loves us. That he can trust us with suffering and affliction. You're thinking, well, no, that's not really the way I heard about him in Sunday school. He was just a God of love and everything's wonderful. Well, we're not in Sunday school anymore. We're grown up now, okay? We're not in those elementary classes where we do hear about the love of God and how wonderful that is. But now we're adults walking through difficulty, walking through trial, walking through affliction. And that's what they're addressing here, what Paul's addressing here to the Corinthians. And he says that, look at how this plays out. We go through stuff and God comforts and helps us so that we can then help other people. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our suffering, you shall also share in the comfort. Now, here's a Greek word for you, translated into English, the word paraclete. When Jesus is talking in John 14, and he says, I'm going to give you another helper, another comforter, the Greek word there is parakletos, T-O-S. When Paul is talking in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it's parakletos, S-I-S. Both of those are from the root word paraclete. Now, you guys know that I'm former Navy And I like this word because it is a nautical word. The idea behind paraclete is this. A ship is at sea and something goes wrong. They're no longer able to move forward. They're at the mercy of the winds and waves. And another ship, a rescue vessel, the paraclete, comes alongside, ties that vessel off, and safely gets them to harbor. I like that picture. You and I go through difficulties and trials and afflictions. And God, Holy Spirit in us, the real paraclete, uses us to come alongside other people to secure them and to get them to a safe place. Now, I don't know if you guys have the same imagery on that as I do, but for me, that is an amazing, amazing, wondrous thing that God provides for us. Because when we think about this as the body of Christ, 
And we think about this and how God is doing this and how he's wanting to do this as we, the body, functions. It's like this. I experienced some kind of difficulty. I experienced some kind of trial. And God, the Holy Spirit, working in the life of another believer, renders aid in that it's compassion, it's comfort, it's encouragement, but renders aid to my life, and I get helped. I don't care who you are. Every one of us have at a time or will in the future have a time when we will need someone to do something like that for us. That is a just, that's an absolute fact. It's a reality of our world, okay? So, let's bring it down even more. One of our groups was meeting this week, and one of the things that came up in that group meeting was that we're in a season now for many people. This is an amazing and joyous season. I mean, it's just like, you know... You remember Christmas as a kid? I think I told you about the friend of mine who was pastor, and he grew up rather poor. And he said one Christmas morning, they came running downstairs, and their dad was sitting there, and he had this sad look on his face. He said, him and his brother, and he said, "Uh, boys, I got bad news for you. I'm so sorry. Santa didn't make it this Christmas. And then he points to the fireplace and there's a pair of boots burned up in the fireplace. Now, if you're not going to have Christmas for your kids, don't do it that way, okay? There's better ways to do it. I think he was traumatized for life. But we're in this season. And we have different views and thoughts and recollections and memories. But the, the, the thing I want us to focus on is the, as we think about the comforter and God using us to comfort others, whatever that may be, the word that kept coming up, at least as I did this, was loss. Because what was happening in our group meeting the other night was that we're talking about people who have lost loved ones in the Christmas season and how difficult this is. And it is particularly if you've had great memories of Christmas and that loved one and what that relationship has been. But loss is still loss. In fact, Jesus illustrates this where he talks about the lost sheep and the lost coin, that there's loss. How many of you have had something you valued? Maybe, ladies, a piece of jewelry, and you've lost it. That's loss. Now, That's not to compare, at least not in my mind, to the loss of a loved one by any means, but it's still a loss. The terrible storm that came through those six states this last week, the tornado, I think we were talking earlier, 250 miles long, affecting six states, potentially 100 people had died as a result of this one storm. And watching those Images on the news of devastation and seeing families who have lost loved ones. It's more and more about loss. 
And the question for all of us is, how do we respond to that? And the question for us should be, and if we are not the ones who are experiencing that loss, how do we help others? And with those storm images and thinking back a few years ago when our home was damaged in a, in a storm to the point that we had to move out and we had a rental home for three months. And, and she and I were talking about that, that in that rental home, because our insurance company really did a really good job for us, we didn't have anything of our own except the clothes that we took with us because everything we had was either having to be dried out or replaced or put in storage for a while. And so even down to the silverware, we didn't have anything of our own. And so we were experiencing loss. Now, we were one of those blessed families that were able after, like I say, a few months to move back in and recollect our belongings and then replace the ones that had been destroyed. And so that for us was a blessing to be able to do that. But everybody goes through loss of different kinds and Typically, we handle it different ways. So that's why it is absolutely crucial that we learn what this is like and we do something, I think, productive in helping others as they walk through this. And so that's what the group was talking about this past Wednesday night when they were meeting. I said, what can we do in this season to truly help people go through loss? Now, I also want you to understand it doesn't mean you have to have, have experienced everything that someone else has to be able to share wisdom and be able to give encouragement, to give prayer support, to give help and render aid. But if you've noticed through the years, at least I have, that when somebody goes through a very particular loss or difficulty or trial or affliction, they have a, an affinity to help others who are going through something either the same or very similar. And again, we don't always go through those things the same way. So where am I going with this? If we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to have his place and freedom to work within this body, as I believe all of us do, I don't think you would be here if you didn't have that mindset because that's the the attitude of the uh, leadership here. That's been the teaching for years and years and years here. So how can we do that in a practical way? So here's what we're offering. After this service today, if you're here and you've gone through loss, and again, it can be the loss of a loved one. It can be something else. It can be the loss of a job. How many people lost jobs and it just absolutely brought devastation in their lives? How many people have experienced trauma in different areas of their life because of something they've lost? Again, um, we, we, we are blessed in our house, but a few years ago, uh, somebody broke in their home and stole a bunch of stuff. And one of the things they stole was the diamond ring that I had given Sheila when we were engaged. And there was just a really cool story behind that diamond ring because I was in the Navy and I was planning to go home and ask her to marry me. And I ordered, I tried to order the ring that I wanted for her and I couldn't get it. And I went to the Navy Exchange, which we were working through. They sent me to the Naval Exchange offices. And there, these kind ladies took it upon themselves to make sure that when I left for leave to go home to visit family, which was going to be right after Christmas, that I would have in my possession the diamond ring 
that I wanted to give to Sheila as I asked her to marry me. A few days later, I'm on the ship, and I hear an announcement. Petty Officer Bishop, please report to the captain's cabin. That is not what you want to hear. (laughs) So I go to the captain's cabin. I knock on the door. The typical thing is enter. I go in. He's holding a box. He says, Petty Officer Bishop, why are your packages being delivered to my stateroom? Sir, I have no idea. (laughs) But it was the diamond ring. And these little old ladies in the exchange office had made sure that not only did it get ordered and the order sent, but it was sent to my captain so that they would make sure that it went through uh, and I would have it. And so I was able to go home and ask Sheila to marry me and place that diamond on ring. So here we are now, years later, and someone breaks in our home and among the things they steal is that diamond ring. After a little bit, the police come and say, we have captured the person that broke into your home. And we have recovered some of the jewelry and other things stolen. But you may not like it. Because what this person did, you know what they, you know those videos about dumb criminals? He took all of Sheila's jewelry that he had taken Some of it was real and some wasn't. To be honest, since I buy most of it, it was more not real than real, but that's beside the point. We won't go there. But in his mind, it was all gold. And so he literally started a fire, put it in a pot, and tried to melt it together. But just the grace of God, one of the things that was not melted and was not destroyed was her engagement ring. When she got back, the ring was damaged, not the diamond, but the ring was. We actually had to buy another setting or another whatever it is to put it in um, for her to continue to wear it. Now, see, again, that kind of loss was very sentimental, more for her than for me. But that's still loss. And we were, again, grace of God, able to recapture at least some of that and put it back as it was. But that doesn't happen every time. And that's why Paul, when he's writing to the folks at Corinth, he says, the reason that I believe so desperately that we are to comfort and help is so you can learn and grow and mature and endure the hardship and the trial and the affliction that you're going through. So again, back to the practical. You're here today. You've gone through a loss, whatever that loss may be. And again, we have to remember, at least I think we should be reminded, just because my loss may not appear as significant as yours doesn't mean that it isn't significant to me. So at the end of the service, when we dismiss the service, if you'd like to come and we have folks who will be here to pray with you and pray for you, we want to do that. But because... This season can be so extremely difficult for people who especially have lost loved ones. Mark this down, put it on your phone. On December the 21st, which is a Tuesday night, we're going to have a prayer team here at 7 o'clock. If you want to come, you want to come and be a part of the prayer, you can do that.
You want to come and be here to be prayed with and prayed for, you can do that. We're going to take the time, those who want to, those who feel the need to, to be here on just on a Tuesday night, a weekday night, leading up to Christmas on the 21st at 7 o'clock right here in the auditorium. And we're just going to pray together. We're going to read scripture together. And we're going to take that time and say, God, here's where we are. Here's our hearts. Here's our pain. Here's our reality. And we, we're going to acknowledge the fact that we need his help. But we're also going to be reminded of the fact that the Holy Spirit who lives within us is going to enable us to help each other. Now, nobody here is going to take the Holy Spirit's place. That's not the point. But based on the word of God, as I've given it to you today, as it's written out, I think very clearly, we can, as a body, come together, help, heal, encourage, exhort, demonstrate compassion, demonstrate love, and see the Holy Spirit of God work in us and through us in all of our lives so that this season can be something maybe better than what it's been for some of us. Now, you'll choose to take advantage of that or not. That is left to every person. But I can promise you this, the ones who will be here that, that I know are aware of, gonna, they're planning to come and be a part of this, we will all be here to render aid Remember the paraclete, tremendous aid to come alongside and give the assistance that is needed for that time in your lives. So let's all stand, please, if you would. I'm going to lead us in prayer. And like I said, we're going to end the service there. Then you are more than welcome to come down front and receive prayer and encouragement in this season this blessed season that we're in, that we're so grateful that God allows us to enjoy, to celebrate the fact that our Savior came, our Savior came into this world, His world that He created, and gave His life so that we could have life and we could have it abundantly. Let's pray. Father, thank You. We're indebted always to you and your grace and love and mercy you pour out so freely, so abundantly to all of us. And we do pray now in this season that we're in, and we pray particularly for those who've just gone through this uh, enormous storm uh, west of us, and those families have lost loved ones, and those homes that have been destroyed, and businesses and livelihoods. And so right now we're asking God that you... Holy Spirit, touch every person in accordance with the will of the Father. We pray that for them. We pray that for us. And we're so grateful, so very, very, very grateful that we have life, that our life in you is abundant, and that our life in you is eternal. So thank you for every person who's here. Thank you, God, Holy Spirit, for working in us and through us, dealing with those things that we have, but also helping us and enabling us and encouraging us to help others in their time of difficulty. So thank you, God, that we have the aid that we need and the aid that we can share in Jesus' name. Amen.